0: The dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in a long
1: queue with a bunch of beans. you believe that human beings are
0: demons? No, I do not.
1: And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> There's probably a, a balance between I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no, he is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past.
0: For those who are God by faith in his son. <laughs>
1: Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3 seven. Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. <laughs> The truth, so if you never knew, now you're without an excuse. If you still wanna play with them cards, then let's run them. Cause even Satan speaks to others like Jeff Gun. So who would you with? Denise a great area. Don't make another preacher laugh when they
0: bury ya. If
1: you're going to heaven and you know you ain't got no sin in your life, it's a good time to die.
0: what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog False Teacher of the Week, episode 22. I'm your host, the Evangelical Norm. So the False Teacher of the Week is a segment of the Master's Dog podcast dealing with false teachers and just explaining how some of these people are false teachers and so on. And it comes from the intro video. Uh, has a whole bunch of false teachers throughout, pictures and video clips and stuff like that of false teachers throughout. If you're listening online, there's actually a video that goes with that really cool song that is the intro to this podcast. It's not just a cool song by Result. Thank you, Result, for letting me use that, that song as the theme. And, but there's a video. So if you've never seen it, if you're just someone who listens online... You should run over to YouTube and just check out that first couple minutes and look at the intro video and see all the different false teachers that are there. So long story short, too late. uh, One of the ladies from my church came and said, hey, can you just kind of break down who these false teachers are? Because I didn't know, I don't know who some of the people are in the intro. I thought some of them were actually solid teachers. So if you could. So I started with Stephen Furtick, which was who she asked about, and then I've just gone person by person as the video goes on. Some people appear in the video more than once and so you'll you'll we don't do them twice but so when they appear again we just skip over and move on to the next person. So that's what the whole premise of this every Saturday the false teacher of the week is is just to let you get a little bit of a glimpse of each of these false teachers that is in this opening intro. And then I intend to go on beyond that. After that's done, I I may change the intro video and put new false teachers in. Uh, I might not, I'm not sure how that's going to play out and work because one of the things is I've done is I've specifically put false teachers in specific places where uh, the lyrics start. So once, once the result starts to spit, and he says certain things. I put certain false teachers in on certain lyrics that he, he puts out there because they fall in line with that. And today is one of those. So as we get into episode 22, we're going to be talking about our false teacher of this week is Joseph Smith. And so he is in the video where Result says, uh, we take what God's created and we turn them into idols and Joseph Smith literally has become an idol to the Mormon people, uh, the LDS people, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I grew up as a Mormon. I'll call them Mormons. So, um, but he, he is, he's become an idol to them. There's actually, there really is a worship of this man, although they will tell you they don't. But you, know, you don't have to go any further than they, they have songs called, We Thank Thee O God for a Prophet, uh, Praise to the Man. Uh, I mean, that should say enough. Praise to the man who communed with Jehovah, uh, which is a song, a a hymn about Joseph Smith. So they have turned him into an idol of sorts. So, but a little bit about Joseph Smith. Uh, He was born in uh, 1805, somewhere around that time. It depends on which version of the first vision you take and you can count back up. to Joseph Smith's birth. I, I should have actually looked up his actual birth date. I think it's supposed to be 1805, uh, December 23rd. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So he was born early in the, uh, the what is it? 18th century, or 19th century, the 1800s. Um, and so he is the man responsible for, Founding the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so the story goes, and and the official first vision is Joseph Smith supposedly had a vision of God the, the Father and Jesus. So here you're already going to see where some what false teachings he's guilty of fall into play, but this first vision, there's actually I. I think officially there are nine versions, some say 10, there, give or take a couple. There are a whole bunch of versions of this first vision where Joseph Smith goes from saying he saw just an angel named Nephi, an angel named Moroni, a bunch of angels, Jesus, uh, Jesus and God, Jesus, God, and a bunch of angels. So there's a whole bunch of just different versions. What you would expect from a teenage boy who's lying? Ultimately, I mean, if you can't keep your, if you cannot keep the story straight of seeing God and Jesus, and it becomes all this different conglomeration of different things, it it does not. It it, it lends towards the fact that it's a a lie. Basic, I mean, bottom line, that's that's really all it is. But so the official version is that Joseph bunch of, there's there's revival happening in the New York area where he lives around Palmyra and all these 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 revival tents and churches are popping up and so they're traveling around they had been members of the Methodist church and so on and he was he was confused he didn't know apparently all these churches just hated each other and so he supposedly goes to this grove prays and says you know which is the true church and light shines well first he's overtaken by this dark power and he's almost you know he's being held to the ground there's all kinds of stuff but just as he's about to get up give up this light uh comes from above and descends and he feels he's released from this dark power and in this light are two personages um, and it is God the Father, Elohim, and Jesus uh, Christ, Jehovah, which is who Joseph Smith say these two are. And they speak to him and God the Father says, this is my son whom, I'm lo- whom I love, hear him. And uh, Jesus apparently tells Joseph, you should join none of them because none of them are right. They're all wrong. Uh, he says to Joseph that... Their creeds are an abomination and the professors of which are corrupt. So this is the foundation of Mormonism. This is the foundation of the LDS church is that every other religion is false. Now today, they're going to tell you that they believe every religion has some truth to it and blah, blah, blah. But when you boil it down, I mean, to say their creeds are an abomination, the professors are corrupt. That goes a little further than saying, well, they're just lacking in a little bit of truth. But, again, they're trying to be nicer nowadays. And so when I was growing up, it was very much known that we thought we, as the LDS church, we were the true church and every other church was false. And we didn't, you know, didn't mince words about it. Um, You know, there was the analogy of the the mirror on the wall. This is what their analogy is: is that there was this mirror that had all the truth, and it fell off the wall. And each church picked up their own little piece of the truth, but the only the LDS church was able to restore the whole truth. And so you'll hear those little analogies as they try to uh, their apologists and missionaries and so on try to convince you that the LDS church is true, but apparently today they don't go as far as to saying, well, your church is absolutely false and you need to be a member of our church. They don't want to go that far because that's mean and it's bashing and, and so on. But so that's the foundation of Mormonism is that, uh, All other religions are false, and the Mormon church is the restoration of the true church of Christ on the earth with all the authority that is supposed to be had and so on. So this is uh, one of the the first false teachings of Joseph Smith is that he believes in polytheism, uh, more than one God, because there is no triune God. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all different gods. They're all gods, but not the same God. Uh, they're not one being um, and then beyond that there are gods beyond. So God the Father had a father who became a God and his father had a God was a God and so there's it's called eternal well that's eternal regression but it goes along with their doctrine of eternal progression that we get to well, LDS faithful LDS members who are married in the temple and do all their good works and so on and so forth and keep the commandments. They get to go on to become gods of their own planets. And then they have to, they get to have spirit babies and populate their planets. And then those people can be saved and go on to be gods. And so it's eternal progression. There's constantly becoming new more and more gods. So we've got polytheism and deification of man are, are two of the the main uh, heresies that are taught by the Mormon church. And then of course that they are the only true church and every other church is false and, and so on. So, and then Joseph has, there's a lot of different stories of other angelic visitations, angels that visited in him in his room, the angel Moroni, that supposedly gives him the gold plates of which he translates another Testament of Jesus Christ, which is the book of Mormon. So again, there's, he, he takes, Uh, it goes beyond and and gives us extra biblical uh, scripture and then extra scriptural uh, revelation through prophets. And so Mormons have like this expanded scripture Uh, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, which is supposedly um, different books, the Book of Moses, Book of Abraham, was written by Abraham, uh, facsimiles that came from a mummy. There's a whole lot of stuff. We could go on for days and days and days talking about how those are all wrong and don't even fit with the facsimiles and so on. But there's one thing I'm going to kind of hone in on here and talk about, and that is the deceptive nature of... Joseph Smith and the LDS Church. And I'm going to use the, the translation of this Book of Mormon, these golden plates, uh, as just kind of a, a a picture of the deceptive nature of the the LDS Church. So supposedly Joseph Smith received these plates from the angel Moroni, upon which was written a record of... Jesus's people here in America. So Christians here in America, essentially, they were Israelites that came over around the time. Well, some came around uh, the time of Babel. Some came over around the time of the exile into Babylon. So the Jaredites came over early. Uh, Lehi and his family came over around the time of the exile. And they populated the Americas uh, the uh, the introduction to the old Book of Mormon used to say that the uh, Hebrews were the primary uh, ancestors of the American Indian. And then when DNA things and stuff started coming out, it was actually changed to say that uh, Lehi and his family were among the primary, uh, among the ancestors. They took the the principal or primary was the word that was used out. So, again, we see deceptiveness going on there. But. As I grew up in the Mormon church, these were the pictures that I saw um, of Joseph Smith and the translation plates are there. You know, we had this idea of what they looked like. I played the angel Moroni in a play when I think I was like five or six. So I got to pull out this, this thing of plates and give them to Joseph Smith. And um, my, I put them in the, the box wrong at one point And so I couldn't get them out. They were stuck. It was funny. Um <clears throat> Side side track. And uh, so these were the pictures that I remember seeing, you know, it's Joseph Smith with the plates. They're there. Everybody could see him. He was writing. He was translating, you know, he and Oliver Cowdery are sitting there and and so on. But when you look at the. Um, the the testimonies of Cowdery and the different scribes, the plates were always covered up. You never got to see them. But these were not things that were told to us when I was a child. Um, so we see the deceptive nature of Joseph in the fact that he actually didn't have the plates where people could see them. The witnesses, and, and there, I just did two episodes of The Master's Dog, responding, three episodes, responding to uh, faith and beliefs on the witnesses. So if you want to go check those out, it's episode... Um, 80, 79, and 78 of the Master's Dog, the regular podcast. Those deal with the witnesses and stuff like that who saw the plates, most of them with the eye of faith, many of them who left the church later in their lives. But so these plates were always covered. There was either a separating sheet between Joseph and his scribe, um, but they never actually saw the plates. Emma never actually saw the plates. Her testimony is that they were covered and she felt them uh, through the the cover, but she didn't actually see them. So they were always covered up. Now this again, here is you, you see the deceptive nature of what Joseph is doing. Well, I've got these golden plates, but the angel says that you can't see them. So I have to keep them covered up. Uh, And, but I'm going, to, I'm going to put this stone in a hat and I'm going to translate off the surface of the stone. And this is supposedly the method in which it was translated was the word would show up. God would put whatever word it was that he was supposed to read would show up on the stone. And he said it would not disappear off the stone until it was written down correctly. And then he would move on to the next. And this was supposedly how it was translated. So now the pictures that we see are pictures of Joseph with this hat that he's kind of looking into a hat and he's holding it down. Um, you know, here he's got his hand on the plates which are covered. Emma is writing. He's got the hat in his hand and he's looking um, again. Hat on the table, hand on the plates. Oliver writing. But the reality is again the tri- the, the testimonies. The, the written testimonies of Joseph, diaries, uh, and other people was not that the, the hat sat on a table, but that Joseph actually had to put the stone in a hat, and then he put the hat over his face to where all the light was blocked out. And then he would be able to read the word. Because, of course, you know, you wouldn't want anybody else to be able to possibly see the word on the stone, or lack of word on the stone. So there's a very deceptive nature in the way that the book of Mormon was translated where you've got Joseph with a rock, basically in a hat, um, hat in on face. And he's translate. Supposedly God is putting words on there and he reads the word. And once it's written down correctly, then it, it is put on and then he moves on to the next word. And this is how the translation goes had to have been very tedious, had to have been very long, and so on. But the one of the big problems is is all the different changes that had had to be made to the Book of Mormon afterwards. I thought this was not supposed to be, and Joseph said it was the most correct book of any book known to man, and a man could get closer to God by its precepts than any other book. But yet it's been changed well over 3,000 times since the, the, the writing, the translation, the publication, and now, I mean, I have 1979 version, 1980 version that are different and a 1991 version that is different. And then I think even later in like, like 98 or so on, as things were changed, I have these different versions where you can look, you know, comparison and see the changes. Very deceptive uh, nature in the, the translation of the Book of Mormon. And that just moves on to, there's a huge deception in the entirety of the church. And it is a very deceptive, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I hope you can't hear my, my niece is upstairs crying. So hopefully that's not bleeding into the microphone. Um, I, I'm, I'm cringing as I, I listen, but I'm about to finish up. So we'll be get through this pretty quickly. Um, sorry, sidetrack. So you see the deceptive nature and... All kinds of things that have changed over time. You know, the the blacks not being able to hold the priesthood, and then suddenly they are, and all kinds of different things that have changed. It is a very, I don't want to say fluid because it's really not. It's it, it flows with political pressures and stuff. Polygamy, no polygamy, um, all these different things that happen throughout the church. The Mountain Meadows massacre and the cover up that occurred there, and then you know it came out and. So a lot of deceptiveness, and that is that is the nature of Mormonism. Is it is to be deceptive, and you they they can't separate from that. And you see it even in the apologetics today. I pointed out a lot in the uh, in the Saints Unscripted podcast as I respond to different things. You can see the deceptive nature of what they do, and the, even in their podcast of trying to explain different doctrines and and aspects of of their church and so that is and it's all the legacy of joseph smith from the beginning the lie that was told about this first vision and the the birth of this false religion that is full of heresies we could go on and on and on for days could devote an entire podcast just to that and we won't so um there you go. Joseph Smith, False Teacher of the Week, number 22. I hope this was helpful to you guys. I hope if you're LDS and you're watching this, you can see the, the deceptive nature of, of what happened uh, throughout the, the history of your church a little bit, and that it will cause you to question. It really do. I want you to question the teachings of the LDS church because it is false all the way around. And it, is, it, it has a, a gospel of works, not a gospel of grace. It does not lead to salvation. There is no salvation within the LDS church. And I, I make that clear. It sounds harsh, but it is true. A false gospel of a false Christ following a false God cannot provide the salvation of sins, the forgiveness of sins that is needed to have eternal life. You need the true Christ of the triune God and the salvation of grace That it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, uh, according to scripture alone, uh, to the glory of God alone where salvation is found. And so I hope, my LDS friend, you will begin to question these things. And my Christian friend, uh, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.